0: If you've lost your vision, your energy, or your mojo, then this show is for you. Whether it's your health, career, relationships, it's time to reclaim and discover your best life yet. Award winning journalist and TV host Gail Guayardo will touch, move, and inspire you in this entertaining, fast paced, and informative podcast as Gail has helped thousands of people achieve massive life changing transformations. Here's your host, Gail Guayardo.
1: We're talking about something many of us are lacking in, especially young girls, and that's confidence, the power to be your authentic self and feel comfortable in your own skin. And let's be realistic, ladies, as we get older, a lot of those insecurities stick around, whether it's about the way we look, how we stack up in our relationships, or if we're really good enough for that promotion at work. Many times we get stuck listening to the negative narrative in our heads, which only holds us back. Joining us now is a woman who is blazing a powerful trail, helping women and young girls as a self-esteem coach and keynote speaker. She is the self-esteem doctor, Dr. Simone Alicia. Dr. Alicia, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so
2: much. I'm excited.
1: So I always get to talk to you on um, our nationally syndicated show, Bloom, headquartered in Tampa, Florida. But I... I, when we talked for like six, seven minutes at most, but I I wanted to do a deeper dive with you because I think it's so incredible what you do. And I wish more people had exposure to this kind of knowledge. So how did you get started as the self-esteem doctor? I know you started as a teacher and a fashion model.
2: Yes. Yes. Very unique, strange beginnings. I guess you could say Um, But what I found in those two industries that you mentioned, you know, modeling and teaching, was that self-esteem was actually an issue in both. And I was very blown away to see that, you know, uh, hearing little kids in my classroom asking me if they're fat. And then on the other hand, having, you know, runway models, also having self-doubt and just berating themselves and beating themselves up about their body image. And then I learned that it went way deeper than body image also.
1: So when you say it goes deeper than body image, Um, what does that look like? I mean, where does this all come from? Because I think, you know, here I am a 56 year old woman, and I still have a lot of those very same doubts.
2: Oh, for sure. So it really comes down to programming, right? There's, we are like little computers and we almost like write a code within ourselves. And then we operate from that code, literally like a computer. And I think that at that young age or wherever we get that exposure we get a negative programming going. We are thinking negatively about ourselves. We're talking negatively about ourselves. We're exposed to things that encourage us to doubt ourselves. And then we don't have the tools to work within that framework to do better or to think better or to help ourselves or to even know that we can. So I think that similarity that I saw from the kids to the runway models, it really was about that programming, what they're, they were thinking and believing and, and repeating to themselves. You know, we hear the word mindset so much these days, and it really is. mindset and it's a program so my goal is to shift that program um which of course affects us in terms of how we look but also you know are we smart enough are we good enough do we fit in will we ever be successful you know imposter syndrome everything you know can i heal from this particular illnesses it's it's such a big vast uh area that that self-esteem and mindset and confidence really do cover
1: And you're, you're doing this in a very challenging time because, you know, girls are on social media all the time. And we would always talk about the imaging that we would see on our televisions or the images Mm -hmm. that we would see in magazines. But now it is a twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five 365 day, you know, days in a year scroll. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Absolutely. And I think that really speaks to what you said at the very beginning of our talk is how important this is that we really want like people to understand this on a wide, wide scale, you know, globally, because it's so much information. So we're inundated with these images. We're inundated with this self-doubt and that stuff is affecting our self-talk. It's affecting our programming. It's affecting our inner language. And um, we just now more than ever in these hard times, as you mentioned, we need the tools. It's, I just don't think it's good enough anymore to say these blanket statements like love yourself, you know, <laughs> appreciate yeah. yourself, it's positive, like, okay, I don't know what that means when everything I'm scrolling suggests otherwise. So how do we do that programming? You know, that's the question that I'm I'm really here to answer and, and to help people to figure out.
1: So what age group do you think should, it, it, you know, some of us are like, Already past it. We can't turn back the hands of time. I'm sure you work with people all the time that have that programming that you speak of that is like Mm -hmm. on a step and a repeat. It's a constant repeat in their minds. But what age group ideally do you like to start with when it comes to building confidence?
2: So, I mean, man, I could answer this in like 20 different ways, (laughs) all contradictory because I kind of want to say, you know, elementary school where you're starting to really get into this conscious framework of learning and retaining information on a very conscious level and here to learn to take this in to use this information so i would love to see elementary schools bring in you know self esteem mindset self talk all of this this stuff as as curriculum like you know this is what you need to know before we even really start getting into all the other content but then there's another part of me that says you know it's never too late you know we because of the neuroplasticity of the brain which means the brain is constantly able to change and rewire and change and rewire at any age I'm like, let's get in there at 56. Let's get in there at 70. I don't, you know, whatever age you are, let's not ever kind of look at it like it's it's uh it's too late. And then from a very very very, you know, uh, I guess medical sense, um, zero to two years old is when our kids are taking in so much information. So I wonder, is that a good time to kind of start saying affirmations to have that be like a really subconscious baseline? You know, is that a good time to make sure they're hearing? I love yous and making sure they're, you know, feeling positive and celebrating their own work. Is there a way to build that in at that age? So I really feel like it's just just a never too early, never too late situation. It's just a matter of how are we going to deliver the information?
1: You know, and there's also that subset of of people that maybe had confidence in their life and Mm -hmm. they were firing on all cylinders and then life's lumps just pulled it right out of them. And then they almost feel like they're back at square one, if not even set back even further than that. Can you recover from that? Absolutely.
2: And I think that's really the case for most of us. I think when you're really young, you kind of have this natural sense of like, I'm amazing. Life is amazing. you know. And then that gets ripped out of you. And sometimes it's more traumatic. Sometimes it's just life experiences. And I do think you can bounce back. It's a matter of creating those habits and knowing that you can, you know, so much of, I think mainstream just tells us that, well, you have this situation and that's it forever. But, you know, science nowadays is evolving to tell us that there's way more that you can do. And it doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not trying to say like, Oh, get over it, move on. That's definitely not my, my attitude or tone towards it. It does take some work. It does take some focus, some know-how, some curiosity, some interest. Um, But I do think we can bounce back from anything with the right tools and the right support for sure.
1: So let's, let's talk about some of the advice or the actionable steps that you would encourage people to take if they really are at um, their rock bottom, like they, they've lost their footing. um, They've lost their mojo. They don't know how to pull themselves out of a rut. What's step one? For sure. I would actually say
2: um, there are many step ones because Everyone's so different in what they're going to respond to. But in a general sense, I would say one of the easiest things we can start with is kind of surrounding ourselves with better external stuff, the external stimuli. You know, if you're on social media, curate your food, your feed, excuse me, so that you feel more um, positive stuff is coming in, right? You just all of a sudden you're getting like this empowerment message and you're getting the self-love message and you're getting like you can recover message and let that sort of flood the system a little bit because that's going to add to the programming Without you having to do very much, you're just exposing yourself to something greater something more positive to start to try to give you that suggestion, start to watch more encouraging television shows, maybe motivational shows, motivational speakers, YouTube videos, whatever it is, it's something that really helps you. Podcasts like these, obviously, that help you to kind of start to reframe and restructure that belief that, man, maybe I can feel better. Maybe things do get better. Um, So I would say that first step would be kind of surround yourself with more positive external stuff. And then the next thing I would say is to create some of that external stuff for yourself. Write affirmations out in a journal or on post-it notes. And I know affirmations get a little touchy because people are like, oh my gosh, you know, affirmations, affirmations. I think learning how to do an affirmation, it's not just lying to yourself and blatantly trying to disregard your feeling and saying the opposite, but it really is like a training process. You know, I want to feel good. I have what it takes to feel good. I'm looking forward to feeling good. It would be good to feel good, right? These kinds of affirmations to get you started. Um, so I would say that, you know, between creating your own external uh, stimuli to help you and just shifting around what you are seeing around you um, are great step ones to start to flood the system with a more positive imaging and more positive uh, self-talk or will lead to positive self-talk.
1: You know, it's so interesting to me about, you know, what you just said and all of that was an amazing advice is that you know, just like we feed our minds with what we want to like spit out what we want our life to be is 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 what we should be speaking to ourselves. The one thing I realized, because we were having a, a team meeting um, before one of our shows on, on Bloom, and I actually think it was one of the specials that you were part of, um, we were talking about social media and how people see these negative thoughts and they get into these arguments or they find themselves down the negative rabbit hole. And I'm so Uh glad that you mentioned the algorithms because- I don't have because I'm like, where are people getting in these fights? Like, what's <laughs> happening? I don't even look for that stuff. Like, if you went through my feed, you're going to see little silly puppies, you know, dancing mm-hmm. music, you know, I, everything in my, uh, you know, Mel Robbins will pop through there. You yeah. know, everything on my feed yeah. is rainbows and unicorns because yep. I hear that. And I think not only do, do we need to say those words and write out those affirmations like you speak, but we also need to seek out and respond and heart and like what is good uh. in this world so that it feeds it back to us as well. Because really computers and all of these social media, uh, they, they, they give our brains what we ask it to give us. Uh. And if we ask for negativity, that's what the algor- algorithms are going to put in your feed.
2: A hundred percent. And I think the way that we fall into that rabbit hole or many people do is there's this idea. I don't know where it's come from, but there's this idea that keeping it real and being informed, it means stuffing yourself with all of the bad news in the world. And I just think that's a massive fallacy that's really Um, affecting us in a very negative way. So I think someone says, I need to have all the news and all the negative and all the drama. And I need to know all this and all the celebrity. Like you just have to have everything that could possibly be negative and cause like a little bit of a fight and some angst. And then they use the term, I'm keeping it real. I'm staying informed. And I just don't think that's true. I think a feed like yours is saying, I'm putting out, just like you said, I'm putting out what I want I'm liking what I want. And now the algorithm will feed this back to me. And this is how they say life is, you know, you put out those thoughts that you want and they come back to you. It's all like this magnetic um, experience. I love, I love that point you made. And I think it's super, super important that we shift that mindset to even find that feed and curate that feed that we want.
1: Yeah. Like our own feed of life. And, and, and once, once we do that, then how do you take the next step to having the courage And the self-esteem to be able to go after that relationship, to go after that job, you know, to go after that dream in your life. You see, visualization
2: is an underutilized tool and an asset, really. And, you know, we've got our Olympic players and and our Olympic athletes, I should be more specific, our Olympic gold medalists, right, out here, for example, using visualization as a tool. And they call it mental imagery or mental rehearsal. And I think when we want to achieve something, when we want to get something, we want to make it to that next step, we have to first have the courage to do it within our own minds, just the privacy of your mind. No one's looking in there. No one's hearing what's going on in there. But to be able to say, this is what I want for myself and stare it in the face mentally, build it up, dream it up like a childhood, right? And you just kind of get into those details. And what that does, it kind of tells your brain, hey, this is a real option. I am seeing this. It's like programming a GPS. You know, I put in the GPS doesn't mean I'm there yet. It's just a map, but I can create that map in my mind. And then my mind says, Hey, this is a real option. And then all of a sudden I find myself feeling a little bit more courageous because my mind is seeing it as an option. I'm not seeing it as an obstacle or an impossibility. So I think the next step is really to visualize, to picture, to do that mental rehearsal, to, to talk it up, to really just let it become real in your mind. So that all those other things can take place you can slow those positive hormones you can start to feel encouraged you can start to feel optimistic you become open to the potential open to the possibilities you know opportunities come your way and you see them because you're like ah i think this is something that can get me there because it's a real live option and real life map that's in your mind so i think that next massive step is for, for us to get more confident with seeing what we want in our minds, even before it's out there right in front of us and create it like a real map because it's where I want to go, for sure.
1: Now, Dr. Um, Alicia, you and I talk about this a lot. You know, this isn't just rhetoric. The, this isn't just uh-huh. advice that we're woo-woo, that we're throwing out there. You know, what you teach people is truly scientifically proven because then you're starting to change those neurotransmitters in your head into something more positive and you're building something that is scientifically backed.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that's that's the biggest obstacle right now is letting people know it is scientifically backed. There's so many um, different studies out there now, so many different industries, but the problem is, is that the mainstream information that we were working on before is still really dominant in our society. So when you start to come in with something new, right? I mean, people are not that responsive to change sometimes, and so you have to really kind of break in there with the repetition. You've got to break in there with the proof, with the evidence, with the teaching, with the education. And that's literally my mission. And that's so and the mission of all of us, including you, with the, you know, with the framework that you help people to see that this is this is true and this is fact based. There was a time when they said the brain doesn't even uh, can't learn, you know, it doesn't change after a certain point; it becomes fixed in adulthood and they've since done the studies the actual scientific studies and um and x-rays and all of that to see that wait a second your brain is constantly changing and and you know neuroplasticity which is the ability of the brain to change is happening at all ages and stages of life so that opens up an entire new you know paradigm for us to say wait a second i can still change i can grow and that's so super super important for us to start to recognize that the science is evolving and we're learning more about the, you know, magnetism of the heart and the heart having its own brain, so to speak, and communicating with our brain. You know, it's it's a really, really beautiful uh, concept to to understand that we are growing and changing and backing all of this information up with facts, with studies, with research. And I think that sometimes the languaging that we still use, you know, if you say to someone, you know, chakras, they look at it as, oh, that's some kind of yogi stuff, right? But if you say to them, these are your energy centers that run down, you know, the center of your body, then they're like, oh, energy centers, you know, it's a little bit more of a medical, medical term. So if you can start to change that languaging a little bit and start to educate people, I think people can realize this is real. This is actually fact and you can utilize it in a very effective way. Your thoughts are affecting your emotions, your feelings, the flow of chemicals physically throughout your body, the hormones that you are releasing. And so once we get people to that state where they realize, wow, there's value in my thought, there's value in this visualization, there's value in the self-talk, there's value in curating my Instagram feed and exposing myself to more positive stimuli, they're going to recognize like, oh my gosh, this is how I help myself. And it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be.
1: So how do people um, find you? Like, how, how do you, do you work with people virtually? Do you work with people in person? Like, how do you spread your good word?
2: So I'm doing a little bit of all of it. Um, I definitely do online work. Um, I have the academy. I I call it an academy because it's filled with a lot of resources and all of these data and the facts and the information that people want and need is in the academy. So I have an online resource that people can go to. It's called the Self-Esteem Doctor Academy. And you just log on to the self And I also go out and speak to people in person. I do talks. I'll travel around anywhere on the entire globe in person or on Zoom or online and um, deliver the presentations to large or small groups. Those are my my two primary modalities. And occasionally I'll still do a one-on-one coaching here or there, or small events in my home. But um, it's really any way I can get that message out to make sure that people are starting to wake up to this new understanding of the power of self.
1: It's it's beautiful what you're doing. I mean, my my late mom, uh, Joanne Toretta was her main name, she used to run a modeling agency and a protocol school for many, many years. She was way ahead of her time. And she was wow. always looking for ways to help young girls, including, I, I feel her greatest student being myself, and that she yes. couldn't have had a more awkward and a goofy looking daughter <laughs> would not knees and just everything seemed to be going against <laughs> me back in the day. And, you know, she, she, it was her passion. To give people this this gift, and I still get stopped on the streets today of how much that meant and how much it's a game changer. And I just yeah. feel like it's such a lost art um, mm. to teach people what you're teaching them. So I think it's really beautiful what you're doing. and i I certainly want to thank you not only for joining us on Bloom um you know our, our syndicated show, but on the podcast, so we could just talk about this a little bit more and and people could hear about the beautiful things that you do.
2: I appreciate that so much. And I also want to thank you because having this show and these resources for people and, and making it accessible and it's beautiful. And I thank you. And I thank you on behalf of all of our listeners as well.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, have a great rest of your day and I'll, I'll see you back on bloom. For sure. Thank you so much. Bye. Gail. Bye-bye.
0: That's it for today's episode of your story, your health, your best life with Gail Guardo. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value VIP day with Gail herself. Be sure to head on over to yourstoryyourhealthyourbestlifepodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Gail's gift and join us on the next episode.